There's a reason that uh, this day is marked on almost every calendar in the world, and that's because something happened, something changed. It wasn't just somebody else dying on the cross. It wasn't somebody else just crucified. It was somebody who had risen, risen from the dead, and that's why we are here today. We've just simply asked for your resurrection power to be in this place today, to speak to us, to remember what it is that you have done for us, and if all possible, for some here today to give their hearts and their lives, to get the chains off of them so that there's no claim on them from sin and sickness and the devil, that there be no one that would claim them except Jesus Christ. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thanks. A couple years ago, I was at a conference, maybe not even two years ago, and I happened to sit there uh, next to a, a couple. The couple was in about their 80s, so they were young. But, but they were in their 80s, and they were just, you ever notice how sometimes age has nothing to do with some people? Their, their personality and their joy, and they're just enjoying it, and we're talking back and forth, and we're... we're um, kibitzing a little bit back and forth, making a little bit of fun, and they were just such a young thinking couple. The crazy part about it is they're sitting next to me, and she's sitting there with her legs crossed. All of a sudden, she starts playing footsie with her husband. Like, you guys are 80. But they just were so young-hearted. She's playing footsie. She's rubbing up and down his little shin there and his foot and that type of thing. And I know that, thank you so very much, I know that one of the things that you guys, everybody here knows, if you play footsie with somebody, you've put a claim on their life. (laughs) You ain't playing footsie with somebody that you're not married to, going out with or something. Matter of fact, if you have ever been in a restaurant or at a, a meeting in work or something like that, and your foot touches somebody else's under the table, it's like, oh, no. Well, I, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. I apologize. I repent in sackcloth and ashes, you know. It says, I, th- I thought it was the leg of the table, you know. Well, then why were you going up and down on my leg there? I actually saw a book that is titled 499 Other Ways to Make Love Last. The first one was Playing Footsie. Somebody's, this couple must have known the other 499 ways because they were definitely in love. Now, I know that you're not here today to say, Ooh, what, do we, what does footsie have to do with uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ? I promise you I'll get there. In the top of your notes, everybody, pull out your smartphone, go to your Bible app, all your notes are there, all the scripture references, pull out your paper, and you, there's a set of notes in your program there, just pull that out, take a look. Right at the top, I have the word claim, Right? To take as the rightful owner. To take as the rightful owner. And then there's two phrases down there. The first one is original sin. Now, folks, here's the thing. A lot of times people will say, you know, I know that I'm not a perfect person. I know that I sin. But why is it that I have to have a problem with original sin? I didn't do anything to cause it. And you are exactly right. But the truth of the matter is that sometimes what happens physically, maybe with an illness or something like that, If a mom and a dad have it, the child could get it and nothing be their fault. Original sin has a claim on everybody's life who is born. You don't really need to teach somebody to sin or do wrong. Original sin is the rightful owner, has a claim on all of mankind, and as sure as you and I understand and know this, the claim of original sin on sin itself is trying to keep you out of eternity with Jesus Christ. 
The second phrase you know is Jesus Christ. What is it that Jesus knew about the claim of sin and original sin, whatever it was? He understood it better than any of us, that's for sure. He had seen it before any of us had seen it. He had known about it. He knew that chain was around us. And before we ever thought about it, he did something about it. He had plans to do something about it because you may not agree with the uh, theology of original sin, but Jesus knew the theology of original sin. In your notes, I just have this phrase I want you to think about today. Today it comes from Hebrews 4, and it's a quote from the Old Testament. If you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. You know, I was in church a long time, many times, and just as about I sensed that God was trying to say something to me, I brushed it off. I hardened my heart. I made an excuse. My pride got in the way, whatever it might be. Simply said to you today, the scripture calls, if you hear his voice today, don't harden your heart. Four claims to claim, and every one of these has a reference of scripture, and every one of them has a reference to the theme song that we were in today. The reference from the scriptures in red, the theme song is in purple. Number one is the claim on the chasm. The claim of the chasm, let me say it that way. The claim of the chasm is, you can't get to the other side, I'm too wide. That's the claim of the chasm. Now, if any of you grew up in my day and age, there was a guy named Evil Knievel, you know? He started out by jumping, maybe you wouldn't even call it a chasm. He got a ramp here, a ramp there. He jumped from one to the other. Then he put some cars in between there, and he made it wider. And then he put some buses in there, made it wider, put some semis in there. Finally, until 1974, some of you know this, he attempted to jump Snake River Canyon in Idaho one mile across, so he strapped a rocket to his motorcycle. And wouldn't you know, lo and behold, just as he took off, his parachute malfunctioned. Oh, yeah. Many people have said that was done on purpose. He fell down to the bottom and he was okay, having probably in all of his life and all of his jumps, broke many, many bones. But the chasm says you can't get to the other side. And there's chasms being people... Must have been that. There's chasms between, it happens again, I'll go to the handheld. There's chasms between people in sports. There's chasms between people in, um, uh, in uh, politics, in families, in all kinds of different places. There's chasms. This song that we sang said, how great the chasm that lay between us. That is a biblical truth. How great the chasm lies between a holy God, sinless, perfect creator and powerful and a helpless human being a great chasm what could possibly bridge that chasm there's a claim in our lives that has us chained because of this chasm and look at mark 1 there verse 15 jesus very first words that mark records anyway in mark 1 15 Jesus arrives on the scene, he says, he starts his ministry, he says, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Now, if you wanted to make a great first impression, would you show up and tell everybody, hey, before you go any further, repent? Which basically means, I know you're all sinners. Repent, believe the good news, and the kingdom of God. Jesus was not trying to make a great first impression. He was giving a warning and providing a way across that chasm because Jesus eventually on the cross was the one who bridged the chasm that's the, the, the claim of the chasm you can't make it to the other side and you and I say yeah but because I really can't forgive my own sins 
Somebody else would have to pay the price for me. And Jesus Christ, he bridged that gap. Uh, Speaking of gaps and chasms, my family has been planning for two years to go to the Grand Canyon. My wife sends me a text about a week ago. Have you seen how many people have died at the Grand Canyon? <laughs> they, they fell off the Grand Canyon. I'm just like, where do, I, where do I cancel my reservations at? One of the guys, they said he was from Hong Kong. He had gotten outside the safety zone there, backed up. I, I, don't, I don't make this up. I, I read it. He was trying to take a selfie. What that is. Thanks, Roger. He was trying to take a selfie, right? He's taking a selfie. He's got it there. And can you just, somebody said to him, oh, take one step back, one further. Ah, splat. That's what I read it. And you know, if it's on the internet, it's true. <laughs> Do you know how many people have been taken out because they wanted a selfie? Do you know how many people leave this world just relying on self? It's myself. I can do it myself. I don't need Jesus. I don't need nobody else. And they fall into an eternity without Christ because of the claim of the chasm. If Jesus bridged the chasm chasm between the holy and the helpless, then we must hear his call and his call to repent. If original sin is the claim, then repentance is the answer. And it's, it's not a burden. It's a gift. Number two, this is the claim of desperation. The claim of desperation is when we've tried everything else and this, as the last ditch desperation, we try something. It's kind of like, a, it's like a, a, a father who's getting ready to go on vacation. He's taking his family on vacation. He's going somewhere that'll take about an hour and a half to get there. And he says to the family, I know a shortcut. I, I know a shortcut. I can get us. I can say 15 minutes off. It's supposed to take an hour and a half and about two hours into it. His wife's like, honey, why don't you stop and ask for directions? I got this. Another half hour later, finally in desperation, <laughs> a man will stop and ask for directions. Many people approach God the exact same way. I did it for 25 years of my life. Only go to God when I'm desperate. Sickness in my family? Let me pull God off the shelf. Uh, I need to go to him. He says I can come to him anytime. Somebody is in a car accident. Somebody's had something happen to him. Folks, they've taken prayer and the Ten Commandments out of many of the public schools, but let something happen in a public school, and what do they have? Let's have a prayer vigil. You all right? This is the claim of desperation. Listen to the words in your notes there. In desperation, I turned to heaven. That word turned carries with it the thought of repentance. See, repentance has to do with the fact that I'm headed this way in Evan's life. And repentance means I'm going to turn and go the other way towards the cross and the most powerful thing on earth, the resurrection from the dead. I turn. And in desperation, I turn to heaven. You see, if there's no desperation inside of a person, if nobody ever thinks to themselves, I'm not going to go on forever and ever here on earth. There is an eternity. Just so everybody here knows, you had a beginning, right? You had a beginning. The scripture says you had a heartbeat and your mother, uh, the Lord knit you together in your mother's womb. And then what happened? You live forever. Everybody before you and everybody after you and me is going to live forever. Is there any desperation in your heart of an eternity without Christ? And what 
the scripture tells us we're supposed to do about it now. If the claim on our lives is sin that owns us, the desperate times are now. Mark, the fourth chapter, the uh, 37th verse, tells the story of uh, Jesus in the boat with his disciples. I, I love boat stories. It says that there's a furious squall that goes up, and I've been on the lake several times when there's a furious squall that comes up. And it is not a fun thing. It's terrifying. It says the waves broke over the boat. It was nearly swamped. Now, folks, the waves are coming in the boat. The disciples looking for Jesus, he's asleep in the back of the boat. That's his turn. He's sleeping. The passage says he's sleeping on a cushion. That's got to be like a my pillow or something. <laughs> he, he's like dead asleep. He's comfortable. The, the teacher, the disciples say, don't you care if we drowned? He got up rebuked the wind and the waves, said, be quiet, be still. And they all calmed down, and he said, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And it says they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Who is this? Isn't it interesting? They're terrified at the beginning of the boat ride, and Jesus in his mighty power comes, and they're terrified at the end of the boat ride. Is there any desperation in us like was in them we're going to drown is there anything in your heart or mind that says i'm going to die one day the song talks about a living hope living hope that's a hope that you get while you and i are alive jesus he's got this scary power he's got this scary power they're they're terrified the fact that he can command the winds and the waves and right over there in that tomb right there that's the original one right there i promise you that he rose from the dead his power his power, they, the grave could not hold him. The problem is sometimes people think, well, I can just wait, I can just wait. You know, I don't know about you, but every once in a while I, I drive a little faster than the speed limit. You, you probably do too. Maybe 10 miles an hour over, 15 miles an hour over the speed limit. You know, you're just, you know, and it's a good reason because you've you got to get somewhere quick. If you're a preacher getting from one church to another, i got a reason. What happens when you're driving down and all of a sudden you see the cop car parked there? Yeah, you hit the brakes, you slow down, but guess what? You got it. It's too late. He got you. He saw you before you saw him. It's too late. And here's what I want to say to you. You please check it out. If you wait until you die to make a decision for Jesus Christ, I promise you the scriptures are accurate. It will be too late. It'll be too late. Your ticket will be written. We need that desperate knowledge that only Jesus can break the chain that's on each and every one of us. And we know that Jesus hears the desperation of a heart that asks for forgiveness. The song says, in desperation, I turn to heaven. A sign of seeing a need for it. Number three, it's the claim is paid. That claim, number three, is paid. Jesus knows that sin has this claim on us, and he paid the price. If you want to see the price he paid, just go through all four of the Gospels and put together what Jesus had to go through. Jesus was up all night. He was brought from the high priest to Pilate to Herod, back to, back to Pilate. When he was, uh, I believe, with the Sanhedrin there, they blindfolded him, they spit on him, and they punched him in the face. That was the game they played in that day, the Roman soldiers. They, pro they said, prophesy, you're a prophet, you're blindfolded, bam! Tell us which one has hit you. And Jesus did that because of my sin. 
And then consider that Pilate really was wanting to let Jesus go. Read it. And so he was going to give him a scourging. And he was going to give him a scourging thinking he wouldn't have to go to the cross because he knew it was just because of the jealousy of the Pharisees. And so they gave him a whooping. And in that day, what it would look like is they'd tie Jesus' hands up here and up above his head there. And then the guy that would start to whoop him would use this whip with these leather straps on it. And I read that they they would tie bits of lead in it and bone and some pottery and they had no mercy, folks. They, they would whoop them until the skin came off. And when the skin was no longer there, they would start going through the muscle and the sinew. And when that was no longer there, it would start to hit the bone. And yeah, that's a wonderful thing to talk But that is a picture of my sin. How is it that I think I can leave this life and think I can take care of my sin? You don't want to leave this world with your sin on you. Because Jesus said you can lay it on him. The claim is paid, Jesus says. The this song says, the work is finished, the end is written. Nothing more that you need to do about saving, about saving yourself. I know there's a condition. We'll get to that. But Jesus Christ, in John 19, his, one of his last words on the cross, verse 30, says, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It is finished. Next week, we're going to talk about the number one way people think and try and act on in regards to how you are to get to heaven. Jesus said, it's finished. He declares he's paid the claim off. It's finished. Why would anybody think that they would have to do anything else when he says it's finished? He's paid for it. You see, we can't choose our beginning. I get it. I know. You can't choose the fact that if original sin has affected you or not, it has. And it has a claim on you. And that claim is hoping that you will go into eternity without Christ. And the decision for him is while we are alive, you know, there's a show on TV. I don't know. Have any of you ever seen Parking Wars? Parking Wars, man. There was a guy near the other day, you know, these people come and they give these parking. This person had $4,000 in parking tickets. So they put one of those boots on it, right? They put the boot on the thing. And then in order to get it out, you've got to go to the impound lot, number one condition. You have to bring proof of who you are. You have to have a valid driver's license. You have to have the registration, and you've got to have the money. And I've seen many people go with two or three, not have them all. They had to go back home. You're not getting your car out unless you've got, you got to meet all the conditions. And the condition on a soul is you're not going to get out of the impound lot if somebody hasn't paid the price, and you can't pay the price, and I can't pay the price. Jesus said, it is finished. Jesus said, it's finished. The condition is, there's a chasm. Jesus bridged the chasm. There's a chasm between a helpless human being and a, a, a holy God. In desperation, somebody sees, I need Christ. And that's what the call is today, realizing that Jesus Christ paid the final payment for our sin today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. You know what? I believe they say that one of the last things Jesus said while he was on the cross is, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I believe that that's what he would want you to do today. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Number four, this is the claim of life. This is what happens while you are alive, not when you're dead. This is the claim of life. 
Most people think that our eternity is decided when we face Jesus. You die, you face Jesus, he determines if you're going north or south. And there's all kinds of jokes out there. You're like, you have to face St. Peter. He'll tell you if you're in, you know. Uh, a really nice guy like a preacher shows up at the gate and St. Peter says, how many people died in the Titanic? And he says, over 3,000. And he says, correct, you're in. And then the next guy stands up and, of course, he's an attorney. Where's Jim at? And St. Peter says, you sure how many people died in the Titanic? He said, yeah. He says, name them. Oh, oh, there you are. <laughs> Some of the, the thoughts of people is, folks, do you know how many people, and maybe you're here today, you think that there's, there's going to be a decision made in your heart when you die? That is an absolute lie. A decision is made for Jesus Christ while we live. Look at the words to the song, Jesus Christ, my living hope. The hope that we have in Christ is while we're alive. The kingdom of heaven begins in our hearts while we're alive. We must be born again while we're alive. Search the scriptures and see if that is not accurate and true. This describes anybody that has a living hope. It's not that we don't have problems. Oh, we got problems. Some worse, some not as bad, but we got problems. But in our hearts is a living hope that we know who our Savior is. We put our trust in him while we were alive. In John, the 20th chapter, verses 21 through 23, Jesus shows up after the resurrection. He has risen from the dead. He shows up to see, uh, uh, appears before the disciples, and he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now, that's really important. Jesus came proclaiming the good news, and now they were going to go and proclaim the good news. He was going to be seated at the right-hand throne of the Father, and he was going to give him a helper, which is available to everybody here. The Holy Spirit, look at He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he said this, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them their sins, they are not forgiven. We can talk about the theology of all of that, but here's the thing. They knew, and you read it, they preached, you must be saved in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent and be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He told them that as clear as can be. Now let me ask you a question. Did they go up to a bunch of dead people and say, repent? They didn't go up to one dead person and tell them to repent. They went up to all kinds of living people. Folks, you have to make a decision while you're alive. If it comes to the place where you die and you're expecting to make a decision, it's too late. You're cut off. This is called a living hope. Forgiveness from Christ comes now while we live. If your family happens to be rich, and I hope that they are, and they leave you a million dollars, right? Seriously, you know, you're going to be left a million dollars by Jim. I'm sure of it. But I'm sorry, honey. What would happen if you passed away before you got a chance to delve into that money? Before you got a chance. If a person dies, they cannot collect any of the inheritance. And if a person dies, according to the scriptures, you cannot get in. You got to make a decision to repent and to believe while we are alive. We inherit eternal life while we live. We live eternal life after we die. You understand that? We, we get eternal life while we're alive. We live eternal life after we die. 
You have to make a decision here because if you die before, no inheritance. Jesus doesn't give living hope to dead people. He gives living hope to people who are alive, walking around on planet Earth, and who come to Jesus as Lord and Savior. In your notes I have from the song, The Cross is Spoken, I Am Forgiven. Now, I suppose the guy that sang that song declared that for himself. The cross has spoken. It is loud and clear. I am forgiven. Now, uh, we didn't do anything to get that original sin, but we have to do something to be free of it. The cross has spoken. The Bible has spoken. I can be set free. I am forgiven. But in the asterisks in your notes, I changed one word to two words. Do you see it there? Fill it in with me. I changed it to the cross has spoken. I can be forgiven. I can be forgiven. You see, the claim of Jesus Christ on your life has to be received by you. And in order to get that, you have to claim him as your Savior. You have to claim him, and he will claim you. And there will be no other claim on your life from sin and death. If Jesus has a claim on you, and he could defeat death, He'll defeat it and he'll change you. Just like the cardboard test this morning, he'll change you. In your notes, then came the morning that sealed the promise your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. And if Jesus said that, and if you put your trust and your faith in him, he'll say the exact same thing about you. The grave or the tomb has no claim on, that's an empty blank there for you to put your name in there. If that's the case, if that's the case. I love Matthew 28. Matthew 28 says that uh, Jesus is in the grave and an earthquake comes. This earthquake rattles the whole area there. An angel of the Lord comes down, going to the tomb. He rolls back the stone and the scripture says he sat on it. Well, that would have been nice to have an angel sitting on top of the stone today, wouldn't it? I could put my picture up there. The angel, he goes on, the guards, it says that it scared the death out of them. They were like dead. His appearance was like lightning, his clothes were white as snow. But there was women there looking for Christ and looking to see who would roll it. They were coming to see Jesus, hoping to maybe uh, uh, um, get his body prepared after the Sabbath. And the angel turns to the women and says, Don't be afraid, for I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. That's what we sang this morning. He's a, he is risen, just as he said. And then the angel said this to the women, and it's what I want you to hear God saying to you today. Come and see the place where he lay. The invitation today is for you to come. Take the chain that you have on your seat and come, just like the people with the cardboard testimonies, to come, to come through on the other side outside the grave, to drop your chains in the basket. Now, if you're a Christian here today, I invite you. For you to remember, take your chain. There's extra ones up here if you you don't have one. Take your chain as saying thank you to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because one of the things that we do sometimes, we live for Christ for a long time, and then we just kind of just forget about it. One of the ways you make a great decision is to put your feet in action to what your mind has made a decision for. Now, if maybe you're a Christian here today, and there's something that the Lord has laid in your heart. That's what we've been. Maybe there's some sin that you're struggling with. 
Maybe there's something that continues to haunt you and it's chained you as a Christian, it's defeated you. I am been praying that you will come forward today saying, Jesus, I know your resurrection power can set me free. You'll come through, go through, drop the chain in one of the baskets there, but then... I want to say something. Candy, you just come and just start playing right now. We're going to close with the song, Living Hope. And so, for those of you here today, you have not made a decision to follow Christ, but you've been hearing what the passage of Scripture says. Today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your heart. So for you today, I'm going to ask you, to do the same thing every other Christian here is not embarrassed to do. And these people with these cardboard testimonies. I'm not going to make you write your testimony on a piece of cardboard. I'm just going to simply ask you to come. Come, take your piece of chain, walk through and drop it in the basket as, it, uh, as uh, the song is played. The song is Living Hope, everybody. You know that uh, 80-year-old couple I was telling you about? The couple playing footsie. They're sitting next to me. She's playing footsie. I give her a hard time about it. She reaches down as the Lord is my witness, pulls up his pant leg. He's got a fake leg. It's not even a nice leg. It's metal. And it's some Pinocchio foot on it or something. I'm thinking, she's like, she says, he can't even feel a thing. And you might be asking, well, why in the world do it anyway? Love. Love. She loved him. She didn't care if he couldn't feel it. He could see it. And I could see it. And there's one reason that Jesus Christ came and removed the chain that is around each and every one of us. You may think he's trying to chain you up, but he's trying to set you free, I promise you. The question is today, Will you move according to what the Spirit of God has to say in your heart and in your life? Heavenly Father, we rejoice this morning for many, many, many things. One of them, of course, your resurrection and the fact that you're alive. But we rejoice in the probability this morning that you will fulfill every one of your promises if we will allow you to do it even in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for those who have responded this morning as a steady stream of people have come as an illustration that you have broken the chains in their lives. And then two, Lord, who have come and spoken to Pastor Evan that they have allowed you to be the Savior of their life. That's what makes Easter all what it is, Lord. You've been gracious to us. We thank you for it. And so, Father, this morning, with as much honesty and integrity as we can muster, we simply say we love you, Lord. Amen. You are worthy above all, and there's no name given like yours on the face of this earth whereby we can experience eternal life. Precious Holy Spirit, you said you would never leave us. I believe you are here, and I'd ask you, Holy Spirit, third part of the Trinity, as you operate under the instructions of the Father and in the name of the Son, that you would visit upon each and every person who has come into this room. And Father, be with them this day as they go to spend time with family and friends. And may they continually function in the truth that this world is not all that there is. 
God, help deliver us from the lie and the delusions of the world. Father, I hear about now they want us to celebrate Earth Day tomorrow. But I want them to know we celebrate Jesus Day today. So, Father God, accept our thanks and our praise. Be with these, your people, anoint their lives, use their walk, bring glory and honor to your Son, and help us to make our community, our area, and even this, your world, a better place because the tomb is empty, I pray in your name. And all of God's people said an amen.